to be in the house of the Lord. It is good to worship Him. It is good to hear a word from Him. Amen? All right, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 5 through 11 if we get through them all. We'll see what the Lord has for us today. We're going to talk, continue our talk on endurance and running the race with endurance, the race that God has set before us that we talked about uh, just last week. I'm, my Bible's page 1627. <laughs> page 1627, I'm sure y'all's is the same. Maybe. <laughs> Hebrews. Chapter 12, starting in verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which you all become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For indeed, they for a few days chastened us and seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Father, we come in the name of Jesus this morning, thanking you for your word, and thanking you what it means to us, God. Today, may we learn it, may we apply it, and may we thank you for it each and every day, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, we go back a little bit. This, this is in conjunction with what we studied last week. All right? This is just an extension of that. So understand that. We talked last week about we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That tied back to the faith chapter in, in uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, talking about all the people, great people of faith that followed Christ or followed their God at that time. Uh, the, and then we talked a little bit about people that were following Christ today. You may be an example to someone. Someone may be an example to you. But remember this. It said in verse 2, or at the end of 1 first, it says it, to, that let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. So this is in the context of this is happening in that. But it's always in the start of verse 2, looking unto Jesus. That's always who we look to to be able to run that race with endurance. He is the example for every phase of our life. Yes, he sends us people to teach us. He sends us people to encourage us. He shows us great, great people of faith. But it is him that we always look to. All right? So now we go on in that. It said don't grow weary. We talked about not growing weary and doing good in the Lord. And now it's going to talk about the next thing that we need in order to run the race with endurance that God has set before us. And, and it says in the Bible, chastening, or uh, another word would be dis discipline or correction. I would say today that we all need discipline in the Lord. Amen? It's not just for our kids. It's for us. It's for 
are those older than us and those younger than us and those along beside us. Each Christian today needs discipline in their life. Now, what this is talking about here, it's an individual thing today. This is to each one of us as individuals. The Lord, not me disciplining you, not you disciplining someone else. This is the Lord talking about the Lord disciplining us. And we all need it. So understand, that's what we're talking about today. And we're talking about it in the context of running the race with endurance that God has set before us to do. So we understand that first and foremost. And it says here that, we have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. We have forgotten too much. You know, as we were growing up, we were disciplined. Then we became adults. And then we were not so disciplined. We had things our own way. First, you were college students, right, Will? And it's hard to be disciplined as a college student because you don't want to get out of bed. And uh, Hey, I've been there. I understand. This is not picking on you. We, we've all been undisciplined at times in our life. Now here, you know, God is exhorting us and he's speaking to us as sons and daughters. Just as you talk to your sons and daughters, God is dealing with us that way. All right? And we all need discipline. In Hebrews 4, 11 through 13 says this, and I love what it says, the text above it. The word discovers our condition. The word, the word of God discovers our condition. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. But it says, let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. No one is hidden from God's sight today, each and every one of us. He sees everything we do, both good and bad. Amen? We cannot hide from him. We may hide from other people. We cannot hide from him. And it says, but... But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who we must give an account. You know, one day each one of us is going to give an account for what we've done in the Lord. And you're going to be there and it's just going to be you. It's not going to be all of us standing around going, but hey, wait, wait, wait. You're not going to be there for your kids taking up for them. Your parents aren't going to be there for you taking up for you. Go, but wait, wait, he's a good kid. You know, he, he, he's 70 now, but, you know, he was a good kid, you know. No, you and you alone are going to be there, just you. And you're going to have to give an account, it says in Scripture, of things both good and bad. I would say this, the Word, not only does it discover our condition, I would say it reveals our condition. And what I mean by that is very simply this. You read the Word of God, and you learn where you are, and oftentimes we learn where we aren't in the Word of God. I'll say this over and over and over again. When I read the Word of God, if I'm not lining up with that particular portion, then i got to change immediately. Not the next week, not the next month, not think about it. No. I immediately 
have to line up with the Word of God. And if I have no discipline, how am I going to do that? How does God discipline us? He shows us in the Word where we should be in our walk with Him. He shows us. You don't need me to tell you all the time. Yes, I can preach it and teach it here. You have Sunday school teachers, but you can open it up and read it. And I'm going to tell you today, you're not receiving the discipline of the Lord if you're never opening His Word. I had a couple people walk by me last week and said, my toes are bloody. I said, good, so are mine. And, and that's true. That's what God does. He stomps on our toes. It's never a pastor that stomps on our toes. Get real serious on that. I'm not stomping on anybody's toes. But God does. That's part of that discipline. He teaches us and he trains us through the word of God. And when we reveal, when he reveals our condition to us, that should lead in our life to repentance. Repentance is one of the strongest things in discipline. To know you're not doing right. To receive that correction and get on your knees and ask forgiveness and turn away from it. To repent of the things that you've done in your life wrong. Amen? You see, the Word of God discovers our condition, it reveals our condition, and it leads us to repentance. That's all part of the discipline that God disciplines with us with. You know that conviction you're feeling on your heart? Yeah, that conviction, that, that's, that Holy Spirit that's speaking to you, and you can feel it, you know you're not doing right, that's God. That should lead to repentance. That should lead to a changed life. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And is not the presence of the Lord refreshing? You see, but God doesn't attach himself to sin, does he? Man, you've got to be repent. You have to repent of the things you've done in your life. Repentance should be all the time. It's not once a month. It is not once a month. It's when you do it wrong, it's immediate. You ever done something immediately? You say, oh, Lord, please forgive me. And, you know, and not just saying that in just throwing it out the air, but I'm literally going, oh, Lord, please forgive me. Or you've done it some, something and you just go and get by yourself immediately. Maybe in your car, if you're at work, you go in your office and you get on your knees and you just say, Lord, please forgive me and make me better. You see, his word leads to repentance. Repentance leads to his presence in our life. And the presence of the Lord is refreshing. That's Acts 3.19. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness today. He is faithful and true to us. He is just. He is fair to each and every one of us if we go to Him in true repentance of our heart. He forgives it that quick. That's an amazing thing because how often do you carry it with you? Yet God forgets it. I mean, God forgives you immediately. Immediately, He forgives you. Yet we pick it up and we don't forgive ourselves. Why is that? If, if our God, if our Father in heaven forgives us, why do we pick it up? I don't know why we do. But unless I'm the only one, I'd say we do. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, and some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, re to repentance. You see, he is long-suffering with us. Can anybody testify to his long-suffering with them? How many times did God keep coming to you and calling you unto him and calling you unto him? He had much long-suffering with me. He continued to present himself to me over and over and over again that I would come to repentance, that I would turn from my ways and follow him. He's still doing that for each and every one of us today, even as Christians. He's still doing that. He wants a relationship with you. You understand that today. Part of that relationship is the discipline he gives us, which leads to repentance. And what is it for? So that we can run the race that God has set before us with endurance. Always go back to that in this. We're in need of discipline today. We're in need of repentance today. We're in need of a Savior every moment of every day. Amen? Do not despise the discipline of the Lord. Don't be discouraged by it. That's what it says in Scripture. Do not despise it. Welcome it. Welcome it. The next it goes into it says if we endure... You know, i got to understand this. Here's what it says. If you are without chastening, of which we have all become partakers. So each one of us, it says, should have partake of that discipline. And if not, what does it say? Then you are illegitimate and not sons. Oh, I'll add one word, sons and daughters. Think about that for just a minute. If you're not receiving any discipline from the Lord, if you never feel that discipline, if you never feel that call to repentance, then are you really legitimate? Are you truly a son and daughter of our God? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? You see, we should crave His discipline. We should crave His discipline just as we should crave his word. Think about that. That's a hard statement. Think about that for just a minute. If you have no discipline from the Lord in your life, are you truly his? I know, that's tough. Because <clears throat> it says, of which all have become partakers. So that means each and every one of us is a partaker of what God has for us. And we want all of what he has for us, amen? Not just part of what he has for us. Oh, we want to talk about all that good stuff all the time. Salvation, the redemption of man. That yes, Jesus lives in our life. But, you know, then we also, with that, we take the discipline that comes with it. You know, we want everything that God has for us today. Not part of it. Not some of it. Not a quarter of it. Not a half of it. But completely and totally and wholly. We want everything that God has for us today. That's how we run the race that is set before it with endurance because of what God has placed in our lives. You can't run two blocks by yourself, spiritually speaking. Heck, you probably can't get out these back doors to your cars, spiritually speaking, without the Lord in your life. It's that plain and simple. How are you going to run a race out there in this world each and every day with endurance if you can't even get out the back door, spiritually speaking? 
You walk right out that back door, you forget everything that's been said. That doesn't apply to me. Well, I'm going to tell you, this applies to me. Everything I stand up here and preach on and teach on and tell y'all about out of the Word of God, it applies to me first. And I want it to apply to me. I need the Lord's discipline. I want to endure. It tells me I'm his kid. Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we so much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Do you, did you pay respect to your, your dad? I didn't always. I was a teenager once. I thought I knew everything there was to know. Some of you were teenagers. Did you know everything there was to know at that time? Yeah, but your dads kept dealing with you, didn't they? And you still showed them respect, didn't you? I can remember one of my sons, man, he's turning beet red. His ears are turning red while I'm chat, having a little chat with him. And he wasn't happy about it, but he received it. I can remember getting disciplined myself and not being happy about it, but going, Dick Dummity's right. That's the bad part when you're a kid anyway. He's right. I feel that way with the Lord sometimes. Uh, he's right. He's right. He knows best for me. You see, we gave our dads who disciplined us respect. Should we not give God even more because he created us? He saved us from ourselves. He set us free from a life of sin. He put us on a path that leads to heaven. Should we not him give him more respect than we ever did? Our earthly dads who disciplined us? I would say we should. You know, that respect word goes a long way. You know, sometimes you have to respect yourself first. If you have no respect for yourself, then you'll have no discipline because you don't really care. Revelation 4.11 says, For you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Man, God created us today. Think about that. Our God created each and every one of us. He is worthy to receive all glory and honor and praise. And we sit here and worship and we sing that, do we not? Do we not believe it? Do we not want to live it? I mean, those are words that we sing. But don't, aren't it words we want to live? Isn't living them much more important than singing them? Because I can sing them and they sound really nice. Well, not for me, but generally speaking, they sound really nice. But how are we truly going to live? How are we going to live? You see, we live through Jesus Christ. That's when we start living, when we find our value in Him, when we find our worth in Him, when we start following His precepts for our life. That's when life really begins. We don't live life in this world on our terms. We live it on His. That's when life really begins, people. Understand that today. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. 
Do you love the Lord with all of yourself today? All, every fiber of your being today, do you love the Lord that much? Are you going through the motions? You love Him when He's doing things well for you. When things are going bad, when you receive that discipline, do you still love Him? Because that's what it's talking about. When you still love Him through that discipline, just as you did your own earthly father, who disciplined you and taught and trained you, so much more we should love our Heavenly Father. Because here's the thing, he, we shall not much more be readily in subjection to the Father of the Spirit and live. Live today, people, through Jesus Christ. What is subjection? That's another word we want to look at. But it's this, being in that places one under the authority of another. You see, we willingly place ourselves under the authority of God. Amen? And you do that at the time of, of, of when you accept Him as Savior. You, you say it right then. You willingly place yourself under subjection to God. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah, what a good word today. Let me tell you today, life begins when you come to know Christ. It is no longer yours, but it is his because you've given your life to him. Completely and totally and wholly. Are you ready to start walking that complete and total and holy and everything you do is for our living Savior? Are you ready for that? Or are you just in just a little bit? I want to be all in, as Rick talked about about a month ago. Let's be all in. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. And I love the heading above. It says, do not rob God. How many of you are robbing God today? Listen to this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Ooh, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. And try me, and these are capital M's. This is God speaking, now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will be no room enough to receive it. Are you robbing God today? You know, God asked for 10% in a tithe and offering. That's what it's talking about. Tithe and offering is 10%. You want 90% of blessed money or 100% of cursed money? What do you want? Now, I know this isn't popular, but it's part of our lives as Christians. It's part of our Christian duty, plain and simple. Are we going to completely and totally submit ourselves today? And this, I think in the nearly three years I've been preaching, this is the first time I've ever talked about it. But are we going to be complete subjection to God or partial? Are you going to give that 10 percent to the church are you going to keep some for yourself because you need it yeah what are you going to do do you not rob God 
Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But what you say, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Very popular part of this sermon, I can tell. I like what Brother John always said. You can tell the tithers, they're staying longer. They want their money's worth. That's what he used to tell me. He goes, the tithers, he goes, they're going to want more and more and more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He always said that. And look, I'm going to tell you this. Everything that I preach today, everything that I preach, you have to reconcile with your own heart. I'm not going to know what you give. I don't want to know what you give. That's between you and God. I'm here to tell you what the Word of God says. And it says, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out you such a blessing. And look, I'm not talking about name it, claim it stuff, because I don't buy into that. I don't buy into that one thing. Yes, our God gives us blessings in many, many ways. And yes, he does financially bless us. It makes no sense. When I first became a Christian, I gave a little. It made no sense to me. You know, I give more, and I, and I got to where I gave 10% when I started learning the word and knowing what it said. And you know what? I found out I had more. Now, that makes no earthly sense, but I'm going to tell you it's true. I had more left over at the end of the month after tithing 10% of my money to the church, sometimes 12 and 13%, because I had more at the end of it. And mathematically, that makes zero sense, but I know it to be true because it's true in my own life. And the blessings that he's given me are innumerable. And I don't have a lot of money in the bank. I don't care if I ever do. That means nothing to me because I have my God. And that's all I need. But I'm going to tell you today, people, you're going to be held accountable for everything you do, and that's part of it. You want 90% of your money blessed by the Lord, or you want to keep a little back for yourself? 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. You see, it says endure inflictions, do the work of an evangelist. What is, I tell kids this when I was over in one all the time. What's an evangelist? Because we talk about that with them. What is an evangelist? It's someone that tells somebody else about Jesus, right? What's your ministry? I always tell them, hey, it's your school. Because you, you tell your other friends about Jesus. Each one of you are an evangelist today. That's not just those guys who travel around specifically for that, even though there are some that God has called to that level of it. But each and every one of us are to make Jesus known, are we not? Part of that is we have to endure. Because what's going to happen? You may tell people about Jesus, and you may tell people about Jesus, and you may tell people about Jesus. You may get, and, and what you're feeling is rejection, 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 rejection. It may happen over and over and over again in your life. What has that got to do with anything? Nothing. You just keep doing it. Fulfill your ministry. Just keep doing it. It doesn't matter how much the world rejects you. It makes zero. If God calls you to do something, he may not have called 500 people to go with you. He may have called you to do it. To show someone the love of Christ. He called you to do that because you're the one there at that time. There's not 27 other people with you. It's you. What's it for? To run the race with endurance that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you're going to put yourself under subjection to our God, 
and that's what we've done when we've given our life to him then I pay they do it totally and wholly not halfway not halfway do it complete in every part of your life for they indeed indeed a few days chastened us and it seemed best to them that's talking about our fathers our fathers disciplined us and it seemed best to them and we all believe that we're doing best for our kids right that's what it's comparing us to is we believe we're doing best for our kids all right but he capital h for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness you see it's for our betterment that god disciplines us yes our parents disciplined us it talked about in scripture that's what it's comparing it to but it is for our good that God disciplines us. It's for our profit that we may become better in him that he disciplines us. And what do we do? By doing that, we partake of his holiness. That's an amazing thing to partake of God's holiness with him. 1 Peter 5, 15 and 16. But as he who called you is holy, you be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Jesus said that, be holy because he is holy. There's no holiness in you. We know from scripture there is no one, not one righteous. Amen? But he is holy and he's called you to be holy in all of your conduct. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. Nor is there any rock like our God. There is nothing like our God. He is holy and we are called to be partakers of that holiness. And that's part of the reason that we have the discipline in our life. That we become partakers of that. And when you partake of something, you bring it into yourself. Do you not? You become part of it. It doesn't just something that you just calmly do or just walk by and go, yeah, this is no big deal. No, you become part of that. You become part of the holiness of God. Why is that? That we may run the race with endurance that is set before us. That we partake of his holiness because of the discipline that we have, that he's disciplined us through his word. It says in verse 11, this is the last verse. Now, no one chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Was discipline ever fun? You, do you enjoy discipline? When you disciplined your child, was it fun for you? you? Have you ever said those famous words? What are they? Son, it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know it's the other way around, but I told my kids that way. <laughs> that way I was real clear. It's going to hurt you more. No. What did your dad always say? It's going to hurt me, son, more than it is you. But God does it for our profit. It says, no chastening seems joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained 
by it. You see, our discipline that God does with us individually is for our profit, that we may be partakers of holiness. And it doesn't seem good for the present. It's not necessarily always fun when you're going through it. But it yields peaceable fruit. And I thought of this. In John 15, 1 through 5, and you all know this scripture, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, and the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, Jesus said those words. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You see, the pruning process sometimes is not fun because God is disciplining us. He's changing us and he's molding us to what he wants us to be as opposed to to what we want to be. You see, and that's not always fun. And here, it, it, it compares it to how a father deals with his kids. And you know that. That's not always fun, is it? But it is necessary. Just as God disciplines us, he prunes us that we would yield more fruit. It is necessary that that happens in our life. And how do we do it? Because I am nothing without him. You see, either you're going to put yourself in total subjection, you're going to put yourself completely under his authority, or you're not. That's really the choice. It's an individual choice today. This is an individual choice today that each of you have to make. Each and every one of us has to make it. Do we want the discipline and correction? Do we want the word that reveals our condition? That leads us to repentance? Do we want that today? Do we want God's discipline? That we can run the race with endurance that's set before us? Are we willing to endure discipline as good sons and daughters? Are we ready to have a healthy respect for our God? Are you willing to be under subjection? God's total authority in all of your life, not part of it today. And are you willing to accept his discipline today? Because if you are, you're ready to run the race. You're ready to run the race looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If we're ready to run that race, if we're ready to do what the Word of God says today, we are prepared totally to run the race with endurance. And if we're not willing to do this, then I guess we can walk it in the back. We can trot at the back of the race because we'll have no endurance. If I ask you today, 
hey, there's, there's 500 people in a race today, and you, you, are, you want to go out and run in it. And I'd look at you and go, hey, you want to finish 500 today? And you would look at me and go, heck no, I'm not finishing last. I'm going to get up there in the front. I'm going to get up there as far up as there as I can do, the very best I can do today. No one says I'm going to go finish 500. Right? Then why do we accept that in our walk with the Lord? Why is 500 okay with us? Well, it's not. It's not. Let's run the race with endurance that God has set before us. And the only way you can finish last in this race is by not getting involved. If you're running this race, then you're winning. There's no first and last in this race. If you're running this race with Jesus, you're winning. Period. Plain and simple. Let's get out there. Accept his discipline as part of our training as Christians because it's for our profit that we would partake of his holiness. And we are holy because he is holy, and that is the only way. So we are to be sprinting out of here today, spiritually speaking, ready to run a marathon, because that's what it is. And there's no retirement age. You don't get to quit when you're 80 or 90 or 100. There's no retirement age. It starts when you know Jesus and you put yourself under his total authority, and it ends when you're on your knees in front of him. Because every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And each of us will give an account of everything we've done in this race, both good and bad. I hope to hear these words. I hope we all hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I long to hear those words one day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this life that we get to live it through you because it's truly living when we give it to you. I thank you for that. God, may each of us, may each of us today decide to let you lead our lives totally. Lord, thank you so much that you open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on us that we can't even hardly receive. That's how awesome and a mighty God you are, and we praise you for it. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is a good place. You see, the word of God reveals to us the repentance part. It happens right down here at this altar. It's a great place for repentance. We're going to be here just a little bit. Y'all stand. If you want to come, be prayed for. We'll be happy to pray for you if you just want to come.